it's Tanya Murray, author, life coach, and your host of the Functioning Hot Mess podcast. Thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode. Have you ever wondered how people become confident? Are they born with it? Do they do something to develop it? How does that even happen? I actually have three simple steps for you to do every single day that is going to skyrocket your level of confidence. So I would really love for you to check it out. Go to theheartofconfidence.com forward slash everyday confidence and you'll get my free guide. It's a PDF. You can download it and it will give you three simple tips and tricks on how to become more confident every single day. And with that, let's get on with this week's episode. All right, my friends, welcome to this special podcast. I have my dear friend Jessica Sproul on here from Soulful Mom Life. She is a parenting mentor and empowerment coach. So Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tanya. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here and especially right now because you guys, I just heard the other day that she is doing some really cool stuff with how to cope through times of crisis and stress and more importantly, maybe how to help our kids cope. So I really thought that she would be able to help us out during this time. And so I wanted to have her come on and share some of her insights with all of you. So Jessica, help us out a little bit. Tell us a little bit about you, how you became a parenting mentor and empowerment coach. Well, I am a mom of three. I have a 19-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an almost two-year-old. So I do have three kiddos of my own. And I have also worked in the field of early childhood education and early childhood special education for almost 20 years. So it has been a long time that I have um, spent, you know, time working with kids and families. And one of the things that I'm the most passionate about is teaching social and emotional skills to young children. We all know that when we grow up and we move through the school system, Social and emotional skills are not something that we just learn. It's more of an expectation that kids know how to behave and cope with these big emotions that they might have. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just I've spent a lot of time teaching, training, mentoring, leading early childhood organizations, and um, it all kind of came to this where I'm able to follow what I'm most passionate about and hopefully help change the lives of moms across the planet. You know, I love what you said because we're talking about teaching these social and emotional skills to kids and that they're not learning it. And, you know, I think a lot of our moms are out there are like, I never learned that because I know I don't feel like I did. I don't feel like I learned, I mean, social skills, yes, but not so much emotional. I feel like I had to figure a lot of that out on my own and with counseling. So I love that you're helping parents and kids learn that at a younger age because, I mean, we all want better for our kids, right? So having them be able to grow up with that information is so cool. It is. It's so important. And I think you're absolutely right. I don't feel like many of us had the opportunity to really be specifically taught social and emotional skills. It's like we are expected to conform at a a young age and our parents were just doing the best that they could. And we have kids and we're just doing the best that we can based off of the information that we most likely learned from them. And a lot of times the way that we cope with stress is maybe not as healthy as we could. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. So what are some tips and tricks or healthy coping skills that you're teaching to people right now during this crazy time? So right now, it is. It's such a crazy time, and none of us have really witnessed anything like this before. And I have noticed that even with myself, I have kind of got into some coping strategies or utilized some coping strategies that maybe aren't as healthy, like maybe drinking a little too much wine. (laughs) (laughs) That's me too. I'm at home, and I go in to grab lunch, and I open the the fridge, and I'm like, no, don't. Don't. <laughs> and <laughs> so I hear you. And it's just real talk, right? Emotions are so high. Uh-huh. And the vibration of our planet, I feel, is really at an all time low. So we are dealing with really, really heavy times right now. And there is a lot of fear. And people mm-hmm. are just sinking into this fear. I know I have there. I have had days where I have been very fearful. I have been very emotional, days where I just wanted to cry. And it's like I have the emotional awareness. So I know I'm I know what I'm feeling. I allow myself to move through that and then I know what I can do to get myself out of that slump. The thing mm-hmm. is, is, we aren't really taught when we are younger, when we are in that really dark place or when we are experiencing fear or anger or all of these huge emotions, we aren't given tools that we can use to move through that. And so this is what I have been focusing with in my empowerment circles. I'm doing a free empowerment circle every other week. And we are talking about this. We're talking about how to move through fear, how to reconnect with love, and just focus on joy and live in the moment. And thats it's not to say that we're discounting anything that's going on in the world. Like We know the severity of this issue. But the thing is, is we can only control ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's easy to jump into, you know, when you're feeling fear, you can jump into projection, um, judgment, anger, we have all these emotions, and we can really just kind of get stuck there. Well, and I think I totally, I totally hear what you're saying. And I also think one thing I've noticed with myself is when I'm having kind of that fear based or emotional response, I kind of shut things down, like I get in tunnel vision mode. You know, I'm just in this tunnel and sometimes I forget that, you know, I'm dealing with these fears, but my kids are dealing with some too. And it's almost like I shut down and get so tunnel vision and focused on myself and what I'm going through that I forget to be there and help them through it too. Absolutely. That's so important. And right now it's very common to see a lot of child behaviors escalating, adult behaviors as well, right? (laughs) Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> um, they they are they are dealing with a lot of stress and fear. Even if we are doing a great job of kind of sheltering them from what's going on, even if they have all of their physical needs met, even if we're meeting, we think we're meeting their emotional needs, like we can't see what's going on inside them. And if they're young, they're going to communicate through behaviors. And if they're older, they might act out as well. So it's really important to try to be present as much as possible and sit down and have those really raw, open, real conversations with them where you're asking them, how are you feeling? You know, do, are you scared? 
you know, what, mm-hmm. what makes you feel better during the day? Just really finding out how, how they're doing and what's going on inside of them. If they're open, if they're old enough to open up and have conversations like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the old enough is, you know, sometimes we think that in order for them to be old enough to have a conversation like that, they need to be like high school age or something. But I have a really good friend who's got a little girl in elementary school and, you know, she just, she just sat down one day and said, how are you feeling with everything that's going on? And her little kiddo just burst into tears and she said, I just don't know what to do. And she said, if I wouldn't have asked, she would never have been able to get that out. And, you know, as a mom, she didn't know what was going on. She just simply asked the question. And so they were really able to talk about it and be able to say, honey, you don't need to do anything. Mom and dad are here. We've got you covered. We've got all of this taken care of. So we just need to work on your schoolwork like always. And just the amount of relief that gave to her kiddo. And all she had to do was ask the question. That's awesome. I love that. What a cool example. Um, my son, he's 10. and he, I can ask him if he's scared or how he's feeling. And he'll tell me like, he doesn't have a lot of fear about the virus, but I think that he definitely can tell when I'm more stressed and he tends to act out a little bit more. So he's like bouncing off the walls and I call it being super annoying because there are some days where he's just (laughs) annoying. And it's like, what's going on? And so I'll ask him, Nick, what's going on? Do you need some attention? And he'll say, yeah, I do. And so it's nice for him to be able to communicate that to me, even though I have to kind of dig a little bit to find out what's going on. He is able to say, I do need attention. And then together we can come up with something that he wants to do that would help him feel more connected in that time. That's awesome. So if we're trying to model some healthy coping skills, obviously we're avoiding the wine, the beer, the whatever. (laughs) But what are some healthy coping skills that we can practice ourselves or model for our kids or somehow mix the two? Okay, so I have quite a bit of um, ideas to share, but I want to start with giving you like a, a big picture like what does this, what does this really mean if we are able to provide this powerful example for our children? So I want you to think about your kids as adults. This example that we're providing right now, us modeling these skills, is really going to give them the ability to move through disappointment, grief, financial struggles, social conflicts, and maybe even a global pandemic, and I'm hoping not. But they will have these tools to move through these things with ease and grace, rather than sinking into fear and feeling a sense of being powerless. Mm -hmm. And so some of the tools that I have here are really, really simple, and they might be coping strategies right now because you can implement them when you're feeling out of alignment, you're feeling a little fear sink in, but these are things that are just great strategies to implement on a day-to-day basis normally, and these are strategies that you can teach your kids too. So the first one is probably my absolute favorite thing to do. And I do this all the time, not just when I'm feeling stressed, but if I am feeling a little more stressed, I will spend time in nature. So that is my first first tip. Get your kids outside. 
talk to them about the beauty of nature, the sky, the trees, the flowers, anything that might be visible in the environment, and really encourage them to get out and touch, smell, experience with all of their senses. And to do this, like you can just go in your backyard or you can go on a walk. It's not something that requires any money or anything special. I let my little one, the almost two-year-old, run around on the grass without shoes all the time. Mm-hmm. And when Nick's in a bad mood and he can't figure out why, like he's not able to communicate about it, I'll ask him, do you need to go outside? And he'll say, I do. I'm going to go climb a tree. Or I'll send them <laughs> out. So it is. It's it's really cute. And I never told him to go climb trees. I'm not sure. He's just figured that one out on his own. It's like hashtag boy mom, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, there are times where I'll send him outside and I'll tell him, go outside and find 10 things that you see that are beautiful. And he'll come back in and he'll name the 10 things that he saw. And it's like he he just naturally shifts. That is the quickest way for him to shift his mood from just being kind of grumpy and moody um, to feeling like more in alignment. And he truly is in a happier place when he comes back inside. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's my first tip is spending time in nature. The second one is practicing gratitude. So I don't know how many of you keep a gratitude journal yourself, but it is a great strategy to use to help you keep a positive mindset, wake up and just be in a really good feeling space. And this is something that you can teach your kids to do as well. Nick keeps a gratitude journal, but he does it on his phone. That's how he wanted to do it. And I think it's great to give them the opportunity to have some choice in it. So maybe it's not having this cute little paper journal. Maybe they do want to keep notes on their phone or maybe they just want to draw a picture. Whatever they choose is perfectly fine and awesome and just go with it. Do you have to like remind them and help them set a time? Do you, how do you kind of teach them how to do that? Do you offer suggestions around that? I guess it would probably depend on your kiddo's age. Yeah, for sure with the age. With Nick, I have him wake up and do it. So it's just part of what he does in the morning. But for a littler kid, I would probably make it a more planned intentional activity, like drawing a picture of something they're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And then number three is meditate. This is probably the most powerful mindfulness strategy that is not taught in schools. And meditation is not meant to be complicated. A lot of people get really upset because they try meditating and it takes a lot of work because they're thinking about, you know, all of the laundry that needs to be done or the dishes that need to be done. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. it's very, very hard to start a meditative practice, but It's not meant to be hard and it doesn't have to be hard. So if you can sit in silence for even just five minutes, focus on only your breathing and set a timer if you need to. That's really all you have to do is to meditate is try to focus on your breathing. Whenever you start to think about something else, just focus back on your breath. And kids can learn this practice and you can do it with them. I love that. And I love the idea of breathing. Um, 
that is one of the things we teach kids who are dealing with trauma through my work is that we call it belly breathing. They put their hands on their stomach and have to push their stomach out, push their hands away when they inhale and then let their stomach, their hands fall when they exhale. And it just helps them bring their attention to their breath. It takes them out of that monkey mind and kind of back into reality and just really is a good, a good, um, coping or, or moment like anxiety and whatever, it brings you back to the present. And I think we forget that that is available to us all the time. And that's what we teach the kids. Even through my work is you never have to have permission to breathe. So if you need to sit in silence and take some deep breaths, you can do that at any moment. And to be able to tie that into like a meditation where it's intentional and you're purposefully setting time aside to focus on your breath. I think the benefits of that are just incredible. And I don't think you recognize them or realize them until you actually try it yourself. And that's awesome. That was actually number six was, (laughs) (laughs) was practicing deep breathing. And so that is absolutely perfect. And you're right. It is one of the most powerful underused strategies that there is. And when we look at fear Fear is really only in our mind. It is caused from us thinking about the future, which we don't know what's going to happen in the future at all, ever. Mm -hmm. But our minds are sinking into that what if, like what's going to happen, or we are focusing on the past. Fear does not exist when we are living in the moment, when we are in alignment, and when we are focusing on things that bring us love and joy. Mm -hmm. And that is really our power. Our power is in our presence. So, yeah, I love love the deep breathing and meditation strategies. Um, Number five was another idea that I had, and I actually got this idea. I used to do some training for, um, or on this model. It was a pyramid model for social emotional intervention. And it was, um, part of a project through the university of South Florida, a really big initiative. It was called taxi. And, um, one of the things that I learned in the taxi training modules was to create an emotion station. And, I love this idea because you can create an emotion space in your home for yourself and for your children. So your emotion space might be an area that just brings you so much joy where you can sit, you can read, you can meditate, you can just chill if you're needing a moment for yourself. And for your kids, this would be a space that they could go to at any time. So they could use it even if they're not feeling upset or angry, but they could also use it if they are feeling upset or angry. And in this space for a child, you could have them help decide on what materials they want in their space. So they could decorate, they can choose the materials that they want to bring in. And some of the things that kids might enjoy in their little emotion space would be books on emotions, um, maybe a little journal so that they could write about how they're feeling. They can get whatever they need to out. Nick is a nature boy, so he would love like maybe a plant or um, he loves crystals, so he has crystals in his space. And um, some kids might want maybe like 
puppets or emotion dolls or plants or fish. It really depends on what they choose if they're old enough. And I just love the idea of having this space for them to collect themselves, go to when they feel like they need to just disconnect and be able to be mindful in the moment and like regather their thoughts. Yeah. And I think if we can create that for them and then as a family, each of us recognize that we need to respect each other's emotional space or, you know, that, that physical space that you create, like if, if I'm there or if my kiddo's there, it's, it's their time. It doesn't need to be interrupted. It, you know, I don't need to worry about them if they're sitting in their emotional space. It's okay. It doesn't mean that there's a problem. Like I think sometimes when we see our kids, you know, kind of check out like that or, or step into that place, we think something's wrong and we're like, we jump into fix it mode. Mm -hmm. What's the matter? What's going on? How can I help you? Why are you over there? What, what happened? (laughs) And so to help us remember that, we they can have a boundary that gets to be their place that's that is their time they'll come out when they're ready you don't have to fix anything just like and if we can each cuz i you know we've got i've got three boys so even though they sometimes get along they most of the time don't <laughs> i could see them just you're in your space and i'm going to come and pick and poke and you know poke the bear so to speak but that's an opportunity to teach boundaries and respect too. So even though, you know, what you're teaching is the emotional safety and that emotional space, you're also teaching that that's creating a boundary and that they have the right to have that boundary. I think that could be so many important lessons for kiddos. Absolutely. And you can also teach them the words that they need. So if they're younger, mom, I need you to maybe Mm -hmm. a three-year-old or a four-year-old so that if they do need you and then maybe they need help and they need some co-regulation, they can say, mom, I need you. And that would give you, you know, the cue, okay, they do need me to help here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if not, then absolutely, let's honor that boundary and just let them hang out as long as they need to. The other thing that I want to mention is that, especially with younger kids, they may need some prompting. So we are going to model these skills by doing them ourselves when we are feeling upset. So remembering to label your own emotions. I'm feeling really angry right now. I think I'm going to go outside and go for a walk. Or I think I just really need to go sit in my space right now or whatever it might be. Like it's okay to communicate how we're feeling to our children. It's okay to label those emotions and discuss and show them like, look at my face. Even with Brooklyn, she's almost two. I'll say, oh, look at my face. Mommy's sad. Like if something Mm -hmm. hurts me. And now she literally can go to somebody who is sad or upset. She goes over, she shows empathy and she will say, he's sad. And she's not two yet. So like these Mm -hmm. things are something that even younger children can start to practice. Well, and you know, one of the things that that brought to mind for me was, I think a lot of times we think that we are sheltering our kids. We don't want them to know we're upset. We don't want them to know we're concerned or we have anxiety over a situation or whatever. And so we kind of think that we're protecting them by sheltering them from that. But one thing I learned from that is that 
what I think is complete BS. Like I thought I was doing such a good job at sheltering my kids from things. And wow, I was way up in the night. And, you know, I, I realized a few years ago, I was having just a totally fine day, but I used to kind of get so busy that I would hold my breath. And so I would just do that heavy sigh every now and then. And my oldest was really in tune to that heavy sigh. And I remember one day I just like, I was sitting there and I just kind of let that heavy sigh out. Nothing was wrong. I wasn't upset. I was legit just breathing. And he turns to me and he's like, what's wrong? What's going on? And I was like, "Uh, I think I must've been holding my breath. I don't know. (laughs) It's fine. But it really gave me an insight to recognize how in tune he is with what's going on with me. And even though he didn't know I was fine, like that was a key to him that something might be wrong. And I thought, you know, I didn't even know he was paying attention. You know, I, it was just really insightful for me to recognize that, you know, if I am having a bad day, if I am upset, it's better to just talk about it and even say, you know, I'm super triggered with some stuff that happened here and here, or even saying, you know, I just need a minute. You're good. You haven't done anything. I'm not upset with any of you. I just need to kind of deescalate for a minute. That's so helpful because then they can be like, oh, okay, it's not me. I'm good to go. Yeah, absolutely. I love the open communication. And really, that is exactly how they are learning. They're watching how you move through that, how you communicated, how you brought yourself down. And it's okay to admit when we overreact or when we like have a meltdown ourselves. And there have been times with Nick where I've apologized, like, I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to snap at you. I was really angry about whatever. And I will ask him, what's another way that mommy could have handled that when she was upset? Mm -hmm. And so that open-ended question gives him an opportunity for critical thinking. And we both talk about it. Yeah. Maybe I could have just taken myself outside or went for a walk when I was that upset. Mm -hmm. And I'll apologize to him if I feel like I acted inappropriately in any situation. I love that. And I love because you're modeling all of those And you're having those discussions of all the different things you could have done that's giving them ideas and teaching them to be a little bit more creative about their own feelings and reactions to their feelings. But you're also modeling the apology Yes. because I think a lot of times I know for me, what I see quite frequently is, well, I'm sorry that I blew up, but if you wouldn't have pushed me or if you wouldn't have pissed me off or it's like, no, 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 that that's not part of an apology, like teach the right way to apologize, which is just to own your crap and say, I did this. I overreacted my bad. Let's move on. Not putting that on them. It's okay to say, what are things we could have both done differently? That's cool. But, you know, just kind of recognizing that an apology isn't a transfer of blame from you to someone else. And I think they don't get enough modeling of that. Right. And that's one of <laughs> one of my big, I, I don't know if I'd say it, it's a pet peeve, but um, I, I get, I get very triggered when I see uh, teachers and parents forcing kids to apologize mm-hmm. because it's not teaching them anything but control. I'm going to make you do this. And it's not actually teaching the child empathy or anything beneficial. But if they are seeing you in the moment 
apologize and have a true um, modeling, have you model a true apology, like that's how they are learning what an apology should be. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think especially if we kind of tie this back to the chaotic times and this, it's it's different. And I think it's okay to have compassion on yourself, knowing that you're probably not going to go through this time with complete grace and ease and like some, you know, princess, like we're going to have <laughs> our hot mess moments. We're going to just handle things really poorly. That's life. We're human. And even that is modeling to our kids that, yeah, even adults, even my mom freaks out over nothing and yet she can return, like she can get back to center, she can refocus and she can apologize if needed. And, you know, I just think that now is a good time to be able to show people and to show your kids, especially that you're going to have the highs and lows. You're going to have those extremes and have a little compassion for yourself and say, I didn't realize that I was quite as spun up as I was. And in order to kind of get back to myself, I'm going to limit TV. I'm going to do all these other practices so that I can get back to what feels right to me. Absolutely. It really is ultimately providing us with this really beautiful opportunity for self-awareness. And we aren't perfect, but we are in this space where we can do some reflection. We can figure out how we are feeling inside and ways that we can calm our own chaos, which <laughs> that's <laughs> the name of one of my courses, but ways <laughs> that we can just fix what is going on inside before we try to figure out what's going on the, going on on the outside. Because it ultimately, whatever we're seeing on the outside with relationships or whatever is happening on the outside is a direct reflection of what's going on inside. So this is just really a beautiful time for us to be able to serve as a beacon for our children as they move through their own earthly experiences. It's like we just we're blessed with this opportunity of reflection, self-awareness, and the ability to shift. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I kind of like this time because it's forcing us to have conversations that we may never have had. Right. Well, we're used you know, that's to actually kind of cool. It, it really is. We're used to things going, I mean, we've never experienced anything like this. And we wouldn't be having this conversation right now had this national crisis not happened. <laughs> right. Right. So Jessica, is there any further tips or tricks or words of wisdom that you could share with our parents out here? You know, I had this really beautiful, um, I don't know what you would say, quote or phrase or message come through. And I think it's appropriate to share right now. I do a lot of writing and I feel like it's channeled writing. And I will just end with this. This is the perfect opportunity to examine our perceptions and remember our truth. It is within our own personal mastery of our perceptions that we can embody a way of being that emulates peace and eternal love, regardless of the chaos that we may be experiencing. Oh, I love that. 
personal mastery of our perceptions. That's what stuck out for me. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. So my friends, if you would like to find out more about Jessica, you can go to her website at jessicasproul.com. It's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-S-P-R-O-U-L.com. And you can find out more about what she has to offer and get connected with her. She's got tons of cool things and doing the groups like she mentioned, her circle that she has just great stuff. So if you feel like you want more information from her, check her out. And I will also have a link in the show notes to get to her as well. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. It was so fun to be able to connect with my friend, Jessica, head on over to the heart forward slash coping strategies to see the full show notes of this episode and be able to click on any links that we've mentioned find out more about how to get a hold of Jessica and the things that she has to offer. So before you leave, please click that subscribe button or follow depending on which platform you're listening to so that I can be back in your inbox next week. I will be back soon. Have a great one.